Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Eric's Main Over Adventures. Uh, if you couldn't tell by the theme song that I just sang, sort of, uh, we are going to be doing Pirates of the Caribbean on this day. We're going to start with film one, of course, C Curse of the Black Pearl. But before we do that, uh, I just wanted to cover a little bit of uh, random news. So, uh, the date today, to help color this, I suppose, uh, date of recording, is July 23rd. And uh, we've started getting some Comic-Con-related trailers from the virtual Comic-Con, the, the Homicon, whatever it is. Uh, and they dropped a new trailer for the New Mutants, which is apparently getting released, you know, which is which is pretty cool. Um, and we got a trailer for His Dark Material Season 2 on HBO, which looks like it's going to be fantastic. And... It's a little bit of, I guess, Disney-centric news right now. But it seems that Disney has delayed some of their Star Wars movie releases. Uh, as far as I can tell, according to comicbook.com, all three of the films that had been planned to come out starting in 2022 uh, have been pushed back a year. So the next three movies will be all delayed by a year from the previous release dates that they had. So in... The, like the next one, I guess, was going to be in 2022. It's pushed to 2023, 2024 to 2025, and 2026 to 2027, etc. And so forth. Uh, sticking with Disney, apparently... Uh, Mulan no longer has a release date. They've not set a release date for Mulan again. Uh, they've removed it from their schedule. It was supposed to be out in March of this year. It was delayed to July, if I remember correctly, and then I don't, I know it was delayed again, I don't recall until when, but uh, the trusty news source of comicbook.com has said that uh, it's been completely removed from Disney's schedule, which is interesting. Uh, I wonder, I don't know if they, uh, if they just spent too much on it, that they're not willing to release it on Disney+, Plus, and if they're just waiting until they can release it in theaters, or if it's kind of... Uh, if it's like a bad movie and they just don't want to put it out, who knows? That's just random speculation, but yeah. Uh, with that, according to IGN, uh, Avatar 2, a film I personally don't care for, but I know a lot of people are excited about, uh, is being delayed a year as well uh, on its release date, presumably because they just they can't finish it right now. What with the pandemic and all. Beyond that, uh, in other random news, uh, I got a cool new game. Uh, I, I want to look at how it's said. Okay, Ghost of Tsushima, which I'm sure a lot of people have heard about. I have it on my PlayStation 4, and it is incredible so far. You go around as a samurai trying to uh, to beat back the Mongols, and it's, it's really interesting. It's really good. It's like uh, I saw someone compare it to Red Dead 2, but with samurai, and I think that's pretty apt. I think I like this 
more than I enjoyed Red Dead 2, but that may just be me. But yeah, that's everything that I think I have for the news. Oh, nope, that's not true. I lied. Uh, in our random sports news that we do sometimes, we are one week from the beginning of the NBA season restarting in Orlando. Uh, it seems the many positive cases has not really put any uh, of a damper on that, so we're moving ahead there. And uh, just announced today, Mike Tyson is going to be coming out of retirement to fight Roy Jones Jr., which is interesting. <laughs> uh, I was concerned when I first heard that Tyson was coming back that he was going to try to fight Evander Holyfield because Evander Holyfield was also supposedly coming back, and I don't think that's a good idea for either of them. Um, but I guess we're going to see one more Mike Tyson fight, and at least one more. If he wins, he might continue on, but it's going to definitely be interesting. I know Roy Jones Jr. has been retired for a decent amount of time as well. Uh, he retired. So he's 51. Wow, I didn't know he was 51. I know he was older, though, but he retired himself. Oh my gosh, did he not retire? Okay, no, he did retire. He retired in 2017, so not too long ago. 2018, rather. Excuse me. Uh, but long, long after people felt he should have retired initially because he had a, a bit of a slump and then managed to turn around, get back on the winning side of things, and uh, retired on a win. Which, you know, go, go for him. Go for him. I remember the only reason I really know who Roy Jones Jr. is, to be honest, because I don't, I don't watch a whole lot of boxing, is just because uh, during peak Anderson Silver time, uh, he was wanting to fight Anderson Silva, and everyone was wanting it to happen so that Anderson could just destroy this man. Uh, who knows what would have happened, of course, but it never did happen, and now he's going to fight Mike Tyson, so that will be interesting. But yes, let's get on to the main course of this episode. Parts of the Caribbean, the Curse of the Black Pearl. Alright, so this film was released in 2003, directed by Gore Verbinski, and it's the first film in the Pirates of the Caribbean series, of which we're now at five films, I believe, with uh, a reboot being planned, I think. It's the, it's the most latest news, uh, Jack Sparrow, let's reboot, which is, you know, okay. <laughs> anyway, um... Yeah, so this movie came out when I was 10 years old, and I remember I went to go see it in theaters. Uh, we were living in Brazil at the time, and I loved it. I got immediately hooked, uh, other than the fact that the, uh, the Skella boys uh, scared me quite a bit, because I was a bit of a wimp, and I had to look away a lot when they were out. But other than that, I loved this movie so much, and I still do. Uh, it's very likely, I think my favorite of the series or it's tied for my favorite of the series with the third one uh i'd have to watch the third one again to be sure but it is it is a big one for me uh i can watch it pretty much at any point and still really like it uh and i remember this this series was one that that my entire family liked like this was the 
second movie that I was able to miss school to go see. Uh, like with my with my brother and my and my dad, we left class one day and just went to go see it with a some family friends. I believe it was the second one that we did that for, but yeah. Uh, the only other time we did this was for The Matrix Reloaded, uh, which was another series my family enjoyed quite a bit. So we went to go see it. Yeah. <laughs> so this movie, when it came out, everyone, of course, was a little skeptical. Uh, as I understand, I wasn't at the time because I didn't even know there was a ride. I had been to Disney, but and I'm sure I, w- I don't think I would have... I actually don't think I would have gone on the ride. I don't think it was there when I was there, as far as I know. But anyway, I know I, I know just from, from reading a lot about the movie that a lot of people just assumed it would be bad. And how could this be at all related to the ride? And how can you make a whole movie over a little ride in a, in a park and all that stuff? But it ended up making uh, $654 million dollars at the box office which is incredible it's uh, six times almost its budget which is which is nuts and uh, according to Rotten Tomatoes again as I've said before I don't agree with Rotten Tomatoes very much but it's usually the go-to for most people uh, the critics have given it a 79% approval rate and that's out of uh, 219 reviews, and the audience score for it is 86% out of 33 million reviews. So it's very well received. The cast, uh, in my opinion, is mostly phenomenal. I love Johnny Depp, and uh, this movie started my Depp interest, and it led me to go watch a number of other things he was in, and to continue to watch things he was in because I liked him. So, like, even movies like Secret Window, which a lot of people don't really enjoy, but I really enjoy because I like his performance in it. Things like that I probably never would have watched if not for, for this movie. Uh, Orlando Bloom plays Will Turner. He is also great in this as the uh, stubborn lead who learns as he goes. And uh, similarly to Johnny, I would watch stuff he was in because of this and, uh, and because of Lord of the Rings, obviously. Uh, so both of those movies led me to movies like Black Hawk Down, Kingdom of Heaven, which is a movie I really enjoy and uh, likely would not have watched otherwise. <laughs> but I love I love both of those movies and I'm, I'm glad that I was able to be led to them. Keira Knightley is fantastic uh, with her ingenuity and sass as, as Elizabeth Swan. I know I had a big crush on her as a kid, so I'm sure many, many did. Uh, it was mainly from... Bend It Like Beckham, which is another movie that I really like. But uh, these movies, the, the trilogy at least, certainly helped that along. I can't remember which one I saw first. If I saw Bend It Like Beckham first or The Curse of Black Pearl first, because I know they came out in the same year. But uh, that is kind of irrelevant. I tried to follow her career as well as I usually do with, with actors I like, but... Uh, Many of the movies she did, I just didn't really enjoy, so I kind of stopped. I think it was around Domino, and I was like, I'm done. Um, yeah. Still really like her, though. Jeffrey Rush, uh, who plays Captain Barbosa, later given the first name Hector, is amazing. And I honestly don't know if I've seen him in anything else. Uh, as far as I know, I don't think I've watched anything else he's in. But I'm so glad we get to see more of him after this first movie because he's just a very good character 
So this time, with the movie, I'm going to try something a little different from uh, when I talked about uh, the Fantastic Beast films, where I just kind of went over the plot and then discussed my thoughts about it. Uh, in this one, I watched it, and then I took notes on the movie chronologically as I, as I went along. So I'm going to see if this is a format that, that works at all for this kind of thing and how that goes. <laughs> So we start off with the the flashback, as everyone knows, of uh, Elizabeth and them on a boat, and they encounter a shipwreck, find Will Turner. Elizabeth steals his necklace, which is not cool, but she does it so that he doesn't get killed for being a pirate, I guess. And uh, we jump forward to eight years later, and that's when we meet Jack Sparrow. I love how noble yet charismatic jack is in this uh like he in his appearance he just looks interesting and yet you still know he's a pirate and in this film he isn't weird for the sake of being weird like not to say that in future films he isn't still entertaining but he gets a lot less clever in other movies and it's not so great but in this movie he's He's weird, he's likable, and you get the sense that he is infamous. Like, obviously from the worst pirate I've ever heard of bit that comes a little bit later. People know who he is, and it's like... he's He's got a history, and the movie makes that very clear early on, which is cool. I enjoy that they did that. But the only thing that uh, them painting this history and that he's like a known guy made me want is i really wanted to hear more stories about jack because you don't really get to know much about him like i like the story he's talking about where he becomes someone's king or their leader when uh, elizabeth falls because her corset is too tight and she can't breathe and she falls into the water and he's telling a story as she falls and i really want to know more about that I also really enjoy the uh, show-not-tell aspects of the film, like such as the, the medallion reacting to being returned to the water, which is obviously what sends the signal to the Black Pearl that the medallion is there. I think to most people it's clear that this is why they attack, and the only line they give in reference to it is, I think, almost 20 minutes later in the movie, when they say the gold calls to us. Like it's it's very show not tell, and it's just, it's it's also a clear show that's not knocking you over the head, which I like. But a side note, I find the uh, Commodore Norrington and Elizabeth stuff incredibly creepy. Like I know back then, in the time that this is based around, it would be perfectly acceptable, but it is just weird that the first time we see him in the movie, he's already an adult, full-grown man. And she's a maybe 10-year-old girl. And then we skip forward, not even five minutes later in the movie, and he's proposing to her. It's weird. It's creepy. I don't like it. Uh, and side note to the side note, the wigs are stupid. I hate those wigs. The, they do it. I know they used to do it back in the day. And it's like a nobility thing. But the, the white wigs are dumb. And I don't like them. So we move through some more plot stuff, yada, 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 and we get to a confrontation 
between Will and Jack Sparrow, which is the first, I guess, fight scene of the movie. And it is so great. In this scene, we get foreshadowing of who Will is. Like, we learn his current mindset. And uh, it's the starting point to allow for the character development that comes. So the starting point for Will is someone who hates pirates, uh, likes Elizabeth, feels that he is too lowly in society, but wants to be above his station, or at least give him credit for the things he does. And they make this clear to the audience so that we can also clearly see where he ends up, which I like. I also really love what we learn about Jack in this fight, like mainly that he had no intention of hurting or killing Will until it was a life or death situation for him when the uh, the guys showed up and were knocking on the door. And, and that's the only time he really threatened Will. And you could tell even then that he was reluctant. Like So it's like setting up the idea to us that at least some pirates aren't so bad and that Will might not be right. And we also learn in this moment something that carries on through the rest of the movie that Will will continue to lose all these fights if he tries to fight fair like he did here. So as we know, uh, Jack gets bottled because he refuses to shoot Will. I don't know. Well, does he refuse to shoot Will? Or would he have shot Will if he didn't get bottled? We don't know. But we did learn that he... The bullet in his gun is not meant is not meant for Will, it's meant for someone else. Nice little bit of foreshadow, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, Jack gets bottled, he gets captured. The, the blacksmith that Will works for gets credit for capturing Jack. And then the Black Pearl attacks. Port Royal. Uh, this portion of the film is magnificent, but I think it also leads to the first bit of confusion slash possible inconsistency as to what the curse is and how it works so we are told that they cannot feel anything on a few occasions yet we see multiple instances of them getting damaged here like bald mullet guy uh gets hit with the bedpan and like cries out in pain uh wood eye guy has coal dropped on his face and again cries out in pain and then weird axe guy gets hit by like a falling sign or something i'm not really sure what hits him but he gets like banged away and it seems like it hurts so it's a little unclear and then we see the curse for the first time with the salty pirates who go to the prison and we learned a little bit more about jack the pirates and the pirate code here so we know that jack knows them that they thought he was dead that Jack knew about the curse but didn't think it was real and we know that pirates have a code that they live by through parlay which is a continuing trend in this film so Elizabeth gets captured and uh, we meet Jeffrey Rush's Captain Barbosa and this dude what a boss dude strolls up with his monkey by the way I have many questions about the monkey but yeah uh, Barbosa immediately shows his smarts, his sense of humor, that he's a threat, and yet he is pleasant enough or enjoyable enough as a character that we don't dislike him. Or at least I don't. I mean, some people might really dislike him in that scene. But I enjoyed him, and I thought he was funny. Uh, but yeah, this film in general does a great job of giving you information and allowing you to start piecing together the story behind the story. So, like, at, to this point, they've told us that the Turner name is significant 
that Jack was betrayed by the Pearl Crew, that the code is mostly just guidelines, which of course they are, because obviously, <laughs> that Jack recognizes Will through his name, and then all, all this other little fun world-building stuff just gets dropped in throughout. And we're not even, I think at this point, we're not even 30 minutes into the movie. The next thing we learn uh, that I liked is that we learn that Jack loves his stuff. He always wants to get his stuff. Reasons for which we learn through the rest of the films, though the origins of the items are not always consistent. Movie 5, I'm looking at you. Uh, and then next we are treated to quite a bit of uh, Jack Sparrow's mad brilliance. When he gets freed from the jail by Will and they go to... Uh, try to rescue elizabeth we have the underwater trick with the boat like would that actually work just holding the boat over your head creating some kind of air bubble i don't think it would but who knows and then we get the genius idea of boarding one ship to lure another ship towards them because they know or jack knows that he can't get this ship going with two people so they get they lure in another ship so that it's already moving and then when it arrives, they switch ships, and they leave with it. Uh, good idea, other than the fact that it requires every single one of the men on that other ship to come over to the uh, which one? The Dauntless, I think, is the one that they're on, and the Interceptor's the one that's coming, or vice versa. I don't know. But for some reason, every single person on the one that's approaching gets off to to board the one that Jack and Will took. So Jack and Will just go over and leave. Like, it's, keep some people on the boat, man. Anyway, <laughs> we get the uh, the good man, good pirate bit here. And that seems to be one of the central messages of this film. Or I guess maybe not a message, but I can't really think of another word for it other than to say it's a message. Uh, that someone can be a good man and still be a pirate. Maybe not so much in the real world, because real pirates kind of sucked. But in this world, people can be a pirate and still be good, because piracy, I guess, stands for something else. And in this world, is perfectly acceptable to the audience. So yeah, uh, Jack and Will yoink what I think is the Interceptor and uh, make their way to Tortuga. Uh, on the way, Will learns his father was a pirate named Bootstrap. And uh, he loses another fight due to sneaky tricks because he was still fighting fair. Fun, fun little story. I, I've been to Tortuga once. Uh, we went on a cruise with my family. And it was a stop on one of the tours we went on. Uh, good times. Not really for me. I was a child. I didn't really get to do anything fun. And now that I think about it, it might not have actually been Tortuga. It might just been like a... A place they called Tortuga on like a different island. I don't actually know. I just remembered someone said, hey, that's Tortuga. I was like, neat. So, hey, we're on Tortuga. Neat. Uh, and on Tortuga, Jack starts getting a crew together. And we get some hints dropped that maybe he isn't all good. As he intends to use Will for leverage. Or at the very least, he says that he intends to use Will for leverage. And then we return to the Black Pearl. I'm kind of flying. <laughs> we return to the Black Pearl. 
and we learn the story of the curse and we get to see the scaly boys for the first time in full as i mentioned earlier this it scared the bejesus out of me seeing the skellies and uh now not not so much uh the effects still look super good though for a movie that is almost 20 years old and we get quite possibly the best line of the movie at this point uh, you best start believing in ghost stories miss turner you're in one great line great scene but uh back to the curse just to circle back are they undead undying or like alive but just can't be killed like can they be hurt but just can't feel it or can they be hurt but can't feel anything else like it's not super clear they act like zombies when in skelly form sometimes but then sometimes they just act like dudes who get hurt and stuff it's super unclear and i'm not a big fan of that part also why the heck is the monkey cursed are they saying that he was a willing and knowing participant in the stealing of the gold enough so that he was also cursed or was he an unwitting pawn involved in this monkey business Yeah, it's, it's super unclear, and then the monkey just continues to be a very confusing mess for the rest of the, the films. But, like, is this just a poor monkey who got cursed, or is this monkey a dick and deserved it? We don't really know, but the curse is also super vague, which was my point. Yeah. So then we return to our boys, and we get to hear more about the legend of Jack Sparrow and the hilarious story about sea turtles and back hair. Which is so stupid. Like, you would wonder why anyone would even believe that. Like, you'd need a lot of back hair to make rope. Generally, but rope strong enough to tie together turtles? That's a lot of back hair, and I don't think anyone's got that. Also, if he had that much back hair, how did he get it off? He was marooned with, like, a gun and one bullet. You can't get back, back hair off with that. Anyway... <laughs> Jack must often do some pretty wild stuff to make it that this story was remotely believable to anyone. Like, the fact that they, they kind of believed this means he's doing some wild stuff. Often. And people just go, oh yeah, Turtle's back here, checks out. We get to spend some more time with the uh, the crew of the Black Pearl, and then with some other pirates elsewhere. And I like that they uh, the movie doesn't try to paint the pirates as just pure villains. Like they are as bad as any pirate in these movies. Like they're not doing anything more heinous. At least to this point, uh, they just got into a really shitty situation, and they are trying to get out of it the only way they know how. Uh, Barbosa himself kind of talks about it when he says uh, the punishment was not proportionate to the crime they just stole some gold they and they're getting punished pretty heavily uh and it kind of echoes jack's line from earlier in the movie when he saved elizabeth and then got arrested and uh elizabeth says that a, that um oh, why am i forgetting the line elizabeth says something line along the lines of how he saved his life or how he saved her life and that he shouldn't be killed because of it and they said that one good deed is not enough to, like, release him from his crimes. And then Jack says uh, one good deed is being enough to condemn him, though, or something like that. 
it's it was it's been a couple weeks now since I watched it, but something along those lines. He says something about how one good deed is enough to condemn him to death, even though he did technically nothing wrong at the moment before getting arrested. So yeah, I, I like that kind of link there. Unless I just made that link up completely, which I might have done, and yet. Barbosa quickly reminds us that they are still pirates. Uh, as after they think they're cured, Barbosa shoots one of his crew as a test to see if the curse was lifted. If it wasn't, or I, no, if it was, uh, Barbosa just randomly killed one of his one of his crew for no reason, which is kind of a dick move. And uh, to circle back to the little funness, we get to see Will win a, his first fight because he doesn't act fair brilliant he's starting to loosen up and act a little pirate-esque it's a slow change throughout the movie but it's a noticeable one because again they showed us how steadfast he was in his belief at the beginning that pirates were terrible and then we get to just see it change throughout the two hours and whatever of this movie and i like it so at this point in the movie uh will has rescued elizabeth after they learned that she was not a Turner, that she was in fact lying, and they flee back to the ship, and Will leaves Jack with the Black Pearl crew, which wasn't super nice, but she is what she is. Uh, brief note, again, the code is so weird, like sometimes they stick to it stringently, and sometimes they ignore it completely. And yet we see Keith Richards' character later in another in the third movie being quite intent on it being followed properly. Like, that it's enforced, that it's important. So, like, are they rules? Are they guidelines? Pick one. Like, don't let it go back and forth like this. Like, either, either your pirates follow this and they're bad when they don't follow it. Or it's just guidelines. And they all kind of ignore them. Like, I... I, th I would prefer if they picked one. Also, also, another brief note. How old is Jack supposed to be in this in this movie? Or in all of them? Like, the internet, from what I can tell, seems to suggest that he was born between the 1690s and the 1700s at some point. With the, the belief being early 1690s. Yet, we know that he was made a captain of a ship in his teens, according to the fifth movie. Because he's a little little baby boy in that one when he becomes captain. Then he joins the East India Trading Company at some point. Then leaves them, makes the deal with Davy Jones for the Black Pearl. Got mutinied against. At least ten years passed from that point. And then we have this film. And all we know is that this movie took place at some point between 1720 and 1750. A super big area but uh, again through the internet and some research it seems likely that it takes place in 1728 so Jack is at most 38 and at least 28 so I guess the man just had a really busy life like he'd be well into his 50s by dead men tale no tales at the very least like a quick look at the pirates wiki which you know who knows how accurate it is 
but it says the first three films take place in 1728 and 1729 and then the next two so on stranger tides and dead men tell no tales take place in 1750 and 1751 yet yeah, not a single one of them look like they have aged in the slightest <laughs> it looks like they could have all taken place in the same week so according to this then jack sparrow would be 61 years old in Dead Men Tell No Tales. 61. Huh? It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. Anyway. Back to the main bit. We get to learn a little bit more about why the Black Pearl crew mutinied against Jack, and I like that we learned this. We learned that the big part of uh, why the mutiny happened was because he was a bit too altruistic and he preferred non-violent solutions to things uh which is really cool uh like the movie kind of suggests this based from his behavior but they don't outright say it really yet they there's enough of the world building outside of the movies that that we know that this is so which is cool But yeah, so from this point in the movie, we get a lot of action Bodhi scenes. We get the Pearl uh, chasing the Interceptor with Jack basically just switching places with Elizabeth. So Jack's with the Black Pearl and Elizabeth's on the Interceptor. And uh, Will reveals himself as Bootstrap Bill's son. He gets taken, so he get, takes Jack's place. And uh, once again, we learn about Unix from Jack for some reason. <laughs> Jack seems really interested in about Unix in this movie. Don't ask me why. I don't know. Anyway, Jack and Elizabeth uh, get marooned on the same island that Jack was marooned on the first time. And we get one of the best scenes of the movie with uh, drunk Jack. And then he's waking up the next day and we get to see him terribly upset about the rum being gone. Side note to this bit of the movie. Uh, Barbosa has some gross-ass teeth. Super brown. We also learn in this scene, uh, once they're marooned, that definitively there are stories in books about Jack Sparrow because Elizabeth has read about him. There's like a, a couple that I wrote down. The sacking of Nassau without any violence. So he took a whole city and took all the stuff from it without any violence. Like the man seems to be mostly myth, yet also thrives on luck. <laughs> And he has aspirations to be free and be the greatest pirate there is. So, like, he's he's just such a cool character. I love it. Also, three days lying on a beach drinking rum sounds fantastic. That's how he spent his first mutiny, we learn. No sea turtles. He just got drunk. And uh, a lovely, lovely time. Other side note. Uh, this is the bit of the movie where Elizabeth tricks Jack into drinking so much that he passes out and i'm wondering is he a lightweight or did elizabeth outdrink him like i i'm assuming she just faked drinking a whole lot it's probably that one but i like the idea that she, that he's either a lightweight or she outdrunk him i feel like that's more fun also we learn what happened to will's dad that they tied his bootstrap to a, a cannon or something and then they shot him in the water and he's just drowning forever like 
Did he suffer? Was he drowning, unable to die until Davy Jones came along? Or did he somehow escape the curse and died in the water bringing Davy Jones? Like, how long was he down there before Davy Jones showed up to get him? Like, I'm curious to know if it was before or after the curse was lifted in this movie. Because if it was after, that's really depressing. That's like at least 10 years of solid drowning over and over again. Unless the curse is what they say, this and they don't feel anything, then he's just there chilling at the bottom of the ocean, which also would suck, but a lot less bad. Anyway, we also get another incredible uh, Jack Sparrow line here, where he says, uh, we're all men of our word, really, except for Elizabeth, who is in fact a woman. I like that. It always makes me chuckle. And Jack's plan to get Barbosa alone once they uh, get back to the, the the gold place. I always forget what it's called. What is the gold place called? Isla de Muerta. Yeah, once they get back to Isla de Muerta. He, he just has this plan of getting all the pirates out of there. So it's just him and Barbosa. And it's so risky and unlikely to work. Yet it's genius. Like, I'm a big fan of these nonsense plans of his. Like, he likely knew that neither side, the fake British and the pirates, would listen to him fully. But they also wouldn't ignore what he told them because it's important. So no matter how each side acted, like, whether they took his advice or not, he would end up where he wanted, which is in there by himself with Barbosa for the most part. And in case he wasn't right, and all the pirates stayed or whatever, he got himself cursed somehow. I don't really get how that works, since he didn't initially steal the gold. Like, otherwise, Elizabeth and Will would have been cursed as well, technically. Unless the curse comes down to intention, like you have to intend to steal it. In which case, I guess it makes sense, but she... Elizabeth still intended to steal it from Will. So, like, I don't know. I don't know why he, he got cursed. And, yeah. <laughs> so Jack goes to Barbosa, uh, and he tells them that the British are waiting outside to shoot them all once they come out, once the curse has been lifted. And he's like, you should just go out there now while you still have the curse and kill them all in your boats. And Barbosa's like, nah, I'm going to go out but we're going to go underwater in a creepy moon skelly scene, which is cool. Uh, but they send out the mullet guy and the wooden eye guy in dresses in a boat for some reason. Like, what is the point of that? It's not really much of a distraction because they wouldn't have seen the skelly boys coming underwater anyhow. Like, it's just, it's just an excuse to have two guys in a dress on a boat for some reason. I don't know. It's weird, but still a cool scene, I guess, because another action scene commences, and we get more of the fantastic music and main theme in this film. It's catchy and jaunty and fun, and I love it. You know. So Jack and uh, William begin fighting Barbosa and the few straggler pirates that were in the cave still, and the skelly boys attack the British people on the ships there, uh, the Dauntless and the... 
And I'm assuming just the Dauntless, unless they got the Interceptor back, but I don't think they did. And then uh, Elizabeth shows up to help, and she has a funny line about a corset, which is silly and, un and unnecessary. I don't think it was really needed, but it garners a chuckle sometimes, so I guess that's a win for the movie. Yeah. And the fights continue, yada, yada, yada. But we get more unclearness about the curse that really frustrates me. So they stick a pole. Will and Elizabeth stick a pole through three uh, pirates. And it hurts them when the pole goes through. Even though they're not supposed to feel anything. And then they die from a grenade being inside one of them. Though everything we have been told to this point says that they shouldn't die from that, yet they all die from that? I don't know. <sighs> the curse is probably the one thing about this movie that really bugs me, because it's so unclear. Anyway, Jack shoots Barbosa with his one pistol gun that he has. And uh, would, a, would a pistol with one shot really still work after ten years? And it getting wet numerous times? Like, that powder's probably been moist longer than it's been dry I don't care really it's a cool scene it's a little bit cliche with the last second solution thing but we're used to that in movies by now right like it, it happens all the time so Will lifts the curse seconds after Barbosa gets shot a bunch of them die for some reason not exactly sure why like was there a time limit that if they were damaged a certain amount of time before the curse that the damage is still there and they die. Who knows? I don't. I'm sure someone actually knows, though. If, if you know, could you tell me? Because I want to know. Thank you. But yeah, the good guys win. Jack's out here trying to steal more stuff from a cursed island place. Seems like a terrible idea. Like, obviously, he doesn't take anything because he gets captured. And he also looks super dope with that crown on. But, like, don't steal that. There could be more cursed stuff there, dude. Are you an idiot? So everything's okay, and we have a nice little time skip. We're back at Port Royal. Uh, Jack is about to be hanged, and Will shows up wearing a stupid hat. Looking like a three musketeer for some reason. Terrible outfit choice, but he's come full circle. Like... He's now acting piratey. I also want to know more about Jack impersonating a clerk of the court, the Church of England. Like that's a really interesting story, and I want to know more. Anywho, Will helps Jack escape in a super fun scene, and we still see Will finish his character development from the start of the movie. And uh, everyone else seems to learn the message that he learned too: that someone can be a pirate and a good man, or poor and a good man etc and will decides to pirate it up a bit though I, I did have one question jack in theory has lost all his stuff how does he get his hat and compass back like if i remember correctly when he when he returns to the pearl they give him his hat and compass but he would have had them with him in the cave when he got arrested so how did they get them I don't know. Anyways, uh, Jack 
in a nice callback to the beginning of the movie, falls off the same cliff Elizabeth died, uh, and he swims back to the Pearl. And again, they have his stuff. Where did they get his stuff? <sighs> and the movie ends with a nice little song, Drink Up Me Hearty uh, Anywho, that is the first of the five movies and the first of the main trilogy. And that's everything that I noticed while watching it that I wanted to talk about. Ultimately, it's, it's just a really enjoyable movie with a lot of rewatch value. It doesn't get old. Even with the newer ones, I think maybe hurting the franchise a bit to some people, myself kind of being one of them, uh, I still can go back and watch Curse of the Black Pearl at the very least any time and still enjoy it thoroughly. But yeah. I plan to do the other two of the trilogy at some point. Uh, I've got the notes done for the second one. I've watched it pretty soon after the first one and then i still have to watch the third one and and take some notes on it and everything but i don't really have any desire to watch four and therefore i probably won't watch five but i enjoy two quite a bit and i love three so it's a possibility that uh we might get to four and five but i don't think so anyway to circle back to the uh, the ratings here, uh, even though 79% of the critics gave it a positive rating, the rate the average rating of the movie was 7 out of 10. And I think this is criminally low. Like This movie is a classic. It's always enjoyable. I'd go so far as to give it at least a 9 out of 10. It doesn't quite reach perfection levels because of the issues, uh, some of which are discussed here. But overall, it's still a phenomenal movie. To the point that it spurred on a new pirate craze. Like it did what Twilight did for vampires. Which some people would obviously argue was a bad thing. What Twilight did. But it still created a craze again around pirates. That has lessened to, like, to today. But we got things out of it that I don't think we would have gotten otherwise. Like Black Sails. Uh, which is a TV show that a lot of people enjoy. I don't think we would have really gotten that movie otherwise. And I know there's a bunch of movies that are kind of based off the Pirates of the Caribbean like model. So I think this movie did a lot for film at the time. It's Some people may not like its actionness and how it's like not super sophisticated, but I like it a lot. And it's a movie that I will always recommend to people if they haven't seen it. But yes, so uh, my next episode should be coming out soon i think i'm probably gonna record the dead man's chest uh episode here shortly and then i have a couple things in the works with other people so i have a friend uh she streams on twitch streaming video games and we're going to uh have a discussion about video games that influenced us in one episode coming up here and then i also uh am wanting to do a run through of all the harry potter movies discussing them uh, and comparing them to the book, all that, just things I know have been done before, but I just, I really want to discuss it, uh, which might either have a guest on some of them who is another big fan of both the movies and the books, or the other guest that might be an option for those is someone who's only seen the movies, which is something I'd really like to do, at least for some of them, to kind of compare and contrast how a 
person who only knows what the movies have told them versus someone who is deep, deep in the lore, uh, views things. But yeah, I hope this was somewhat enjoyable. If this, uh, if this is a preferred kind of way to talk about the movie, um, without really discussing the plot in great detail, but just touching on the moments chronologically that, that I enjoyed and that I felt were interesting at least, or that I didn't enjoy. Uh, if that's something you prefer over the talking about the plot and going through the entire plot and everything, even though it's a movie you've probably seen, uh, let me know in, in the reviews or anything. Um, or if you better, if you think maybe a hybrid of the two would be better, where there's a description of the movie, and then as as I describe the movie, I add in the bits chronologically, like I did here. Uh, I'm still open to to the constructive criticism and finding out what is the more preferred way of doing this, um, and which way is better to listen to, I suppose. But yeah, thanks so much for watching, and we should be back for another. Pirates of the Caribbean Mediocre Adventure.